0: Nerdy Show listeners, we need your
1: help. A bunch of our series have been nominated for the Audioverse Awards, a podcast awards show for audio dramas. The Orphans, Nerdcasting the Multiverse, Dungeons & Doritos, and Liberty have all been nominated for awards in music, acting, writing, and production. The semifinals are open to fan voting right now, and we'll never make it to the finals without your votes. Don't delay. We've only got till October 30th, so head to nerdyshow.com slash audioverse2017 to see the list of nominees and get voting
2: are you hungry for adventure
3: do you crave hilarious and perilous tabletop campaigns don't bother rolling perception pal we've got you covered
1: behold dungeons and doritos nerdy shows epic tabletop audio drama A cinematic serial of mayhem-filled, morally questionable quests at DungeonsAndDoritos.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show Book Club, an adventure into literature where we discuss the varied text-based tomes we've been poring over, do dramatic readings from some of the worst and weirdest books we can find, and read a nerdy book together as a community. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Brandon.
0: Hi, I'm Danica. Hey, I'm Jess.
1: This is not a normal episode of Nerdy Show Book Club, if in fact such a thing exists, because in this episode, we've got some housekeeping to do. First of all, we've changed formats. All that stuff I just mentioned that we do in the series, nothing has changed about that. But beginning with this episode, we're breaking it up. We're alternating content, so every other episode, we'll be talking about what we've read and do our comedic readings, and then it's an episode dedicated entirely to our community read-along. That way, it's both easier for us to produce the show, and if, say, you haven't read the book yet and you don't want spoilers, then you can save the read-along episodes for later. And all that's good and well. But if you've been following Book Club, you know there's a couple major elephants in the room. For starters, this episode was recorded just over a year ago. October 15th, 2016. We're so sorry it's been so long. We thought we were getting back on track with book club releases, but we're reminded the hard way that the end of the year is a cruel mistress. The episode got delayed, and then, almost simultaneously, the world changed. And it changed not only in a way that has us nervous about the fate of our country and the world, but coincidentally also changed the conversation of this specific episode of Book Club. Our read-along book is the dystopian sci-fi The Handmaid's Tale by Margaret Atwood, an unintentionally timely selection given the state of things on the eve of the 2016 American presidential election. So, not surprisingly, the world as it was then, at that precipice, was a major topic of discussion surrounding the book. It was pretty clear after the election that if we were going to put this episode out, we, at the very least, needed to spruce it up a bit to keep it current. So, in two weeks, we'll finally be releasing our episode on The Handmaid's Tale. Fair warning, so you can brush up on what you probably read over a year ago, or speed read to catch up. But in this episode, we're going to have some fun discussing all the other stuff we've read. Now, you might have noticed that this episode was released in lieu of a regular nerdy show episode. Well, I'll talk more about what we're doing with book club releases later on, but I've blabbed enough. Let's talk about what we've been reading. Jess, let's start with you. It's been a while since you've been on the show. Welcome back.
2: Wow, well, thank you. Yeah, I've been catching up on my manga. So I just read Platinum End, which is from the creators of Death Note, which is quite good, as you would expect from the creators of Death Note. And then also caught up on all of Noragami which is a story about a stray god who is just basically living on the threads of people barely remembering him as he goes day to day and job to job, hoping that he's not forgotten and disappears. Is there an anime based off of that one? There is. On Netflix? I think I started <laughs> I think watching I,
3: it. I think I saw an episode of that. Yeah. You mean <laughs>
1: there's a book version?
2: There's <laughs> a book version. Oh my
1: god. And you actually published a review on uh, Nerdy Show for Platinum's End recently. so we'll- I did. We'll link to that on this episode's page. And I will read it. What I thought you said that was most interesting about Platinum Zen is that it is the exact opposite of Death Note in a lot of ways. Life Note. Basically.
2: Yeah. So the main character basically has a better sense of morals than the spiritual person that's guiding him. In this case, it's an angel. So you actually have this angel girl who is the one that's saying, like, it's okay, kill your aunt and uncle. And he's like, oh, uh, no, I don't, I don't think that'll bring me happiness. So you really have kind of the switched dynamic from the Shinagami who kind of looks at that human and he's like, whoa, he's kind of more hardcore than we are and is really okay with killing people to now the angel being a little bit more of a devil on the shoulder and the human kind of taking more of a moral responsibility.
3: So what you're saying is the writer was like, let's try something different. Reverse the roles. Done. Yep. Write a story. We got it. Go. <laughs> Completely new. How about you, Brandon? I've been reading something called uh, Handmade Tales. <laughs> and it's a vivid adventure about a mountain man in northern Washington who literally makes a living in the mountains there making handmade tails. Now, normally when you'd think of handmade tails, you'd think, oh, well, he's just killing a possum and, and he's got a tail. No, he literally makes them. Like he finds twigs, he finds leaves, he finds hair clippings from animals, mostly mammals, all over the floor. Of the forest, sometimes feathers, and he weaves that shit for hundreds of hours to make one finely crafted, handmade tail, and then sells it on Etsy for like forty-two dollars. That is how he makes his living. It's a really interesting story. He dies at the end, spoiler alert. But uh, the twist, the twist though, is that he dies at the beginning too. So uh, it's a really interesting read. It's called Handmade Tales. You might want to check it out. I'll write a review on it on Nerdy Show. I'll put that up later. <laughs> Now you have Not to. to be confused with A Handmaiden's Tale. It's a completely different book. <laughs> and What's, what's that <laughs> which, book about? Which book is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't I think I've read it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about you, Denica? Well, I was just looking through this list here. and
1: Oh, it's a list. <laughs> well,
0: I, so I've talked about this before. I get digital downloads from our local library. And normally I use this app called Overdrive, which doesn't really save your history so much. And I switched to using the Kindle app on my phone recently, which does save your history. So I'm actually getting a more accurate view of how much I actually read. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's, it's a little bit more than I thought. Uh, so I think from <laughs> the last time that we recorded, I read The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin, which is something we talked about. 2001 A Space Odyssey, which I'd never read before. Really? You good.
3: got through that? Is it's a, a good book. Do you fall asleep during it?
0: No, it's actually good. I've actually never seen the movie, so.
3: I can't make it through without falling asleep. I've tried. It's a great I've, movie. I've it's a great book.
0: The book yeah, is a I, great. yeah, the movie's great. I actually, think I've been meaning to read the subsequent books, but haven't gotten there I, yet.
3: I like
1: 2010 better than the first book by a lot. And after that, they are all interesting, but just not as great as the first two.
0: Hmm. There was another book that I had talked about that was a spin-off of an Anne Aguirre series. I read the final three books in that four-part series. I read three Sean and Maguire.
3: Where do you have, t- I know where you live. How do you have time for this? <laughs> how many hours do you stay up at night how, that I'm not aware how of? How many Morganville just, vampires? I, uh, you
0: know what? I actually haven't picked that back up in a while. I mean, <laughs> so I think we, I've read like 9 or 10 of them already. I don't know how many there are. <laughs> Did you are read now. any
3: books that have vampires in them recently? Uh,
0: Seanan McGuire Maguire is all um so, modern fairy on the West Coast. So that's not a vampire. So it's not vampires. Oh, but
1: Hold up. What is modern fairy? Is that short for modern fairy tale like
0: no,
3: Labyrinth, <clears throat> Goblin King dancing with
1: masquerade right, balls? Like like
0: so but in modern, this is an
1: entire genre.
0: Yeah, it is actually an entire genre, which actually I meant to look this up. It's almost always set in the Pacific Northwest. Like the Sean and McGuire series is set in San Francisco, uh-huh. but there's another author that I think actually does it a lot better, but I haven't read it in a while and I'm totally blanking on his name. Stephen it's... King. <laughs> yeah, Stephen King.
3: <laughs> I only know
1: him. No, it's, it's a
0: whole genre of the fairy kingdom, you know, being a parallel to ours. Like Albion. Uh, what is that? It's, the, it's that the, the fairy really kingdom
1: here. that exists just beneath the surface of the British Isles.
0: Sure. Yeah like underhill and and that sort of thing so there's uh, knows, like a nose like K N O W E, I think is how that's spelled Beyonce No not Knowles <laughs>
1: Okay It's missing an L
0: <laughs> Anyway so people that try to live in and out of the the mortal world but kind of parallel to it there's Everybody there's watch still there is like recently. Titania and Oberon mm-hmm. and all of them although in this world Titania and Oberon and Maeve have all left their, quote unquote, immortal children and gone off somewhere and left them to their own devices. And Uh that's this whole fucked up society that's whatever. And there's changelings who are half mortal, half fairy, and they're treated like shit. And that's basically the basis of the series is this changeling chick that just turns everything on its head in that society. But they're quick read books, kind of like... Morgan Freeman vampires. <laughs> so answer me
3: this question because this has come up recently. Do all fairies have masquerade balls where you can't stop dancing or you die?
0: Uh, pretty much. Okay, cool. I yeah. mean, if they bring humans into it, that's what they do to humans. But
3: they're but fairies are dicks. They're
1: not, yeah, no, they're fairies not are
0: totally dicks. Okay. So I read three of those. I just finished something called Behind the Throne by KB Wagers.
1: Is that about the weird gunk that collects behind a toilet?
0: <laughs> like... <laughs> That could turn into an interesting sci-fi book, but no. You're up
3: to over twenty
1: books.
0: Bu- uh, don't you <laughs> <to> over twenty <laughs> you
3: books? Don't ever complain about not having free time to do anything ever, because when
0: you- have I done that?
3: You
1: doesn't matter. <laughs> You're just say
3: preemptively, just don't. <laughs>
1: well,
0: I, I read before I go to bed. So for like two hours before I go to sleep, that's like I'm laying in bed and I read. That's when I read. Behind the Throne was actually pretty good. It's a Gunrunner princess thing. So I think it was stuck in there with Star Wars, like that sort of genre kind of thing. Is it as old as Star Wars? Late 70s? No, this is new. Okay. It's, it's new, but it's space royalty stuff, I guess. I don't okay. remember space where Space opera. It's space opera, yeah. Okay. That sort of thing. Firefly, got it. On a planet That's where it Western. seems like the, the culture is actually Indian. Okay. In Basis from Earth way, way, way back. like yeah. There was colonizing by mostly Indian descent. So that was kind of interesting, just the kind of stuff that they brought in from Indian culture.
1: We're talking Native American Indian? No, okay. I'm talking India <laughs>
0: Indian. Uh, so I finished that, and it's the first book in a series. And then I just started wow. a young adult book called Updraft by Fran Wilde. Started that yesterday or the day before.
1: And what's that about? Um, Sequel so to Backdraft. far, it's... <laughs>
0: It's some sort. I don't of know so- why that's funny. That was a serious. It's question. some <laughs> sort of society where the people live in these bone spires. Like they talk about the towers that they live in, like being made of bone and growing. And every time a level grows, then people get to move up, and the rest of it gets filled in. So obviously they're on some sort of animal, but I don't think they even know it. Like it's not talked huh. about. There's no picture yet of what actually is going on in what I've read, but they live in these bone towers that grow. And the way they get around is by flying with like Icarus wings, like handmade wings. So it's
3: on an updraft
0: on an updraft. So (laughs) guys, they're called,
3: let's be real. They're called thermals
0: on thermals. Yes, as well. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) So, so far, it's a young adult thing. So it's a girl coming of age. She has to take a flight test She wants to be a trader like her mother. So her mother flies between these towers Uh throughout the city to trade for medicine and that sort of thing. And and the girl's wish is to become a trader like her mother. But some shit goes down and it looks like she's going to get pulled away by this society that she is scary to her and whatever. And that's pretty much as far as I've gotten on that.
3: Sounds interesting and weird. So so they live on these towers made of growing bone and, and no one's like, that's weird.
0: Maybe we should just look it's at it's normal it, to them kind of just go to the bottom. So I read at least 10 books in the last 2 months.
3: Wow, okay. That's uh 1000% <laughs> more than me, I think. <laughs> if I did the math, right, which I don't know if I did. I'm sure you're forgetting some.
0: Probably because we did go to Mar- <laughs> we went to Maryland and I don't know. What you I did was I thought reading. you read a whole book, then. Yeah, probably.
3: About crabs or something.
0: No, I didn't read any books about crab
3: fishing. Oh, I think you borrowed handmade tales for me. That's it.
0: <laughs> uh no i'm still working on them
3: it's a hard read but it's good
0: so that's what i've been reading
1: (laughs) (laughs) well i think i might have mentioned this last episode but i did finally get a chance to read the final book in the berserk trilogy berserk apocalypse and it was great oh yeah i haven't read that yet oh man it's so good there's three right yeah okay i'm still working on
3: the first i borrowed it from you i still have it i'm almost done so hurry up you
1: got two more books to go Um, I can do this. We did an episode kind of about this. We interviewed Michael Grant, one of the co-authors of Animorphs, and Berserk is his standalone series. It is about a secret war between companies and groups of people, both corporate terrorists and then actual terrorists, using biots and nanomachines. Biots being biological nanomachines and nanomachines being nanomachines. I just
3: remember there were two poets fighting, like Plath and Keats, for some reason. Well,
1: the Berserk team, they run the biots, (laughs) And biots, they're made out of your own DNA, they connect with your psyche, and if they die, you go mad. So they pick the name of tragic poets as their code names. And Berserk Apocalypse was I mean, I won't go into detail since it's the the final book in a series, and we've already talked about the series at large. It was fantastic. Each book gets progressively bigger in scope, and that was maybe one of the things that felt weirdest about Berserk Apocalypse is that it really takes the story to a global scale. And that has it introducing new characters and sort of spreading out in a way that I almost wish there was at least another book's worth of content to further develop that development kind of. But the pacing was still still really high. And um, has he
3: said definitively that this is the last book in the Berserk series? Yes. Okay, I mean, so because there, okay, there, so there there's, will there's,
1: be no fourth book. There's no coming back from this. Okay,
3: like, I'm not saying all the characters God, die. World's destroyed. Michael
1: Grant is a guy who is not afraid to get his hands dirty. In fact, we actually had a comment on our old Michael Grant episode from Nathaniel, who said, I just listened to this episode again, and I wanted to share. Cap, after listening to this the first time, a very long time ago, I checked out Berserk from our local library and then tore through it and its sequels. It was an amazing trilogy of books, some of my favorite reads in a long time. Pacing was excellent, subject matter was completely engaging, and the characters were fantastic. The last book was a hard pill to swallow emotionally. Grant seems to embrace quite literally the concept of killing your darlings. Regardless, it did not let down and I had to process just what an ending that third book had for some time after. Really great fiction and well worth the time invested. Thank you for bringing these to my attention.
3: That's pretty much the same review I gave when I first read um, with The Fox and the Hound. It was an emotional roller coaster. Was, that, so. was The Fox and the Hound a book before Disney uh, turned it into an animated film? Well, I don't know, but I had the book. doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh- <laughs> I read the book and guys, by the end, if you're not crying, you're not, you're not alive. But I guess this kind of sucks because now I have to go back and reread the first one because I'm like halfway into it. I don't remember anything. I need to go reread that. And start reading the last two because they're wonderful. And I guess I owe it to Michael Yeah, Grant. I mean,
2: they're quick reads, though. I for, think I got through for them you. on like this one is, flight to the East Coast. This is Brandon you're talking I'm about. I'm staring at
3: these <laughs> books, and they're, the si- they're five times the size of any book I've ever read.
2: <laughs> they're not that
3: big. All right.
2: And they're
0: not
3: in Game so. of
2: Thrones, like, right?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, I did it's read. No,
2: the Stand.
3: I did read all of the Game of Thrones books from last time. No, you didn't. No, I, didn't. <laughs> I didn't. No, you did <laughs> No. No, I didn't. <laughs> I also read one additional
1: book. This is something very different from the usual fare here, but extremely nerdy. Legends of Localization, book one, The Legend of Zelda. What is that? By Clyde Mandolin, a.k.a. Tomato. This is a book published by Fangamer, and it is a complete exploration of the original Legend of Zelda game, all versions of it, as in... It compares the differences between the original Japanese game and its translation and the American game. So the original NES game, the first one Mm -hmm. only. Yes. Wow. It explores the process of what it is like to translate a video game, the nuances of the Japanese dialect that creates such substantial differences. There's things that just really can't be translated in a conventional sense. Like konnichiwa. (laughs)
3: <laughs> Nobody knows. I'm tired to translate. That. I mean,
1: I took two years of Japanese in high school, and no one ever mentioned to me a very fascinating phenomenon. In that there's actually a completely different language that is asserted based on someone's age and gender. That yep. the entire dynamic of how they speak changes, even completely different words. I don't know how a Japanese person transforms their own language like that subconsciously. Some but, would say it's a more sexist,
3: ageist language, but not me. It's like, oh, you're, t- <laughs> you're talking to a girl now. Let me change, it. Well, I mean, Hispanic language.
1: Well, do women that too. speak
0: differently than men. Yeah, your age matters as to the words that you use in Japanese. And-
1: but there's a lot of fascinating differences here between the two games. And they also explore the difference in things like the manuals and the different ways that this information got interpreted by the legions of people who played the game on both sides of the pond. For example, in Japan, Zelda debuted on the Diskoon system. Which was the disc attachment for the NES in Japan? What was it?
3: Was the Famicom in Japan? Wait, the original NES. Yeah, and it had so Zelda was a disc-based game in Japan, as in floppy disc. Oh, that kind I, of disc. But Sorry. like three and a quarter.
1: Wow. Uh, they actually had vending machines where you could go and get a disc out or you could get
3: a rewritable disc and pay a different fee to well, get that's this that's true. Game. Didn't they make NES cartridges in America like extra big because it's America and everything has to be they, big? Like they literally made, they made it. They like, made the system extra big. Yeah. And they, they also made the cartridges big because they thought that everything big sells over here. And it, they're not wrong. They, they made, uh, the cartridges were bigger too, weren't they? Oh, you're, you're right. They were, yeah. they were bigger. Because yeah. in Japan, everything was, they tried to make things as small and space saving as possible. But in America, they're like, screw it, make it really big. The, yeah, the going idea was that.
1: that Americans wouldn't take it seriously if it was too petite and had an unnecessary horizontal VCR loader bullshit thing in the NES that always broke. <laughs> but this book was truly fascinating. If you love Zelda or if you are fascinated by the process of translating a game or just like historical slash anthropological examinations of popular media, this book is great. And it's the first in a series. The next one's Earthbound. That is a really in-depth book of the original NES. I thought they would go through each Zelda game. <laughs> no, this is just one book dedicated to one game. He might do other Zelda books in the future. And uh, this guy, he's a major figure in the Earthbound fan community. I knew his uh, his handle like from when I was in high school. And he's responsible for
3: translating Mother 3 in English. Oh, he did that? Yeah. This is 200 pages of in-depth everything about Zelda, the original.
2: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: It even analyzes the difference between the musical waveforms.
3: Yeah, I was just like, I'm looking at an entire section where it shows the wave files for the sword shooting sound in NES versus, like, the the, disc system. system, And it's completely different. Completely different.
1: It could sound like minutia, but it's actually all fascinating. Really, really, really great book. And we'll like all the books on this episode, we'll link to where you can pick it up on this episode's page.
3: From what I'm reading, the sound was way better in the American version. They
1: were just inherently different. And uh, to us, we have sentimental feelings for the version that we grew up with. But to the Japanese, it sounds completely different. And he actually got input from people in both countries and their feelings towards the music and listening to the music from the other country and their reactions on it to kind of assess how, how the different cultures perceive it. Maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's a difference in how we perceive audio. So, yeah, Legends of Localization. Uh, it's actually an entire website, and a certain amount of this can be found on the website, but the books are a way more thorough examination. Nerdy Show Book Club and all the shows on the Nerdy Show Network are entirely listener-supported. That means we rely on you for your generous contributions to keep us alive, and we got lots of ways you can do that. If you head over to nerdyshow.com support, you'll see where you can give a one-time donation, how you can uh, use our Amazon links to buy awesome books, And also give back to Nerdy Show just by following through our Amazon links. And then also, you can join up with us on Patreon, where we send all kinds of bonus content, including a lot of bonus content from Nerdy Show Book Club, because we end up usually uh, over-recording in some ways, and uh, all that uh, trickles down back to you for contributing to us. It's
3: called the trickle-down effect.
1: It's proven that it works. Obviously, financial contributions are super appreciated, and we give you shout-outs when you join up on the main Nerdy Show show, but there's a way that you can contribute that involves no money whatsoever, just a little bit of time. If you hop onto iTunes, you can rate and review us there. We need your ratings and reviews. Currently, Book Club's review count is quite low. It's like eight or something. Send me
3: your bones.
0: Please tell us we're special.
3: Some people did tell us that we're special, though, so we're going to read those. A great book club to belong to by Disdon Bates, or Disdon Bates, or Disdon Bates. I love Nerdy Show, and their opinions on books is one to be loved as well. Read along with these guys, I know I did. Armada was meh, but the fact that I was not alone in my half-like of something gives me the feeling of accomplishment that reading a book should give. Or something. Keep it up, guys. Also, seriously, follow with them. They usually read some pretty good stuff. Usually. <laughs> <laughs> we tried with Armada. We really did. We
1: Perhaps, really tried. Maybe. But it was an important experiment. We all learned I mean, something. We didn't
3: know.
0: We didn't know. We didn't
3: know. And then we did. And then I we
1: did. I think
0: we kind of knew. And
3: then we all did. Yeah, then we all did. We can't ever get that back.
0: Uh, next. It got me reading by Shaded Spriter. I have so much stuff I have to listen to and watch. It's very often that I forget to read things, but the Nerdy Show Book Club has given me something interesting to read to keep me from becoming illiterate.
3: Don't take our word for it. <laughs> Take Shaded Sprider's word for it. This is the only reason I'm not illiterate. Well,
0: thank you, Shaded Sprider. That warms the the cockles of my cold, dead
2: heart. I love literacy. The book club you've been longing for by Crafty Basturd. That wasn't me making fun. That's literally it's T E R D. Anyway, uh, do you enjoy reading books of the quote unquote nerdy variety? Do your literary tastes lean towards science fiction, fantasy, Neil Gaiman, Margaret Atwood, and lauding Ready Player One while angrily sobbing over Armada? If so... (laughs) Everybody. Wow. If so, and even if you don't know all of these references, this is a podcast book club for you. Every episode features a discussion about a community read-along. As of this comment, the book is The Handmaid's Tale by Atwood, as well as a comedic reading of another bit of fiction, and general discussion about literature and pop culture between some really enjoyable podcast hosts. That's us. I cannot stress enough, this is one of my favorite podcasts to look forward to, and I regularly re-listen to the episodes. Still not convinced? Morgan Freeman Vampires is a thing you will learn about (laughs) from
3: this podcast. This is the best thing we've ever
2: done. I'm never going to live that down. We're never (laughs) going to top
3: that, ever,
1: (laughs) ever. Guys, you want to read something real goofy and, and weird? No, I'm okay. (laughs) <laughs> oh all right well we'll we'll skip this part then i've got a book here I, I go to use bookstores and find weird things and sometimes we read from them i've got a book for it's part of a, a series called school days which i've never heard of it's d-a-z-e oh jesus uh, this particular volume is called do the funky pickle and it's written by <laughs> jerry spinelli the newberry
3: award-winning author of maniac mcgee i'm gonna say whatever a newberry award is it ain't worth shit i'm I don't sorry know, sounds
2: like it could be an adventure time episode Do the Funky Pickle. Do the Funky Pickle. Yeah, why not? Yeah,
3: Yeah, it would be great. I'm sure if they did it. What I what is the cover shows a kid
1: on top of a table. He's wearing a very uh I I, I, I wouldn't call it an attractive sweater, but looks he's playing it safe with his fashion choices and he's dancing. And there's a girl who's like interested in kind of writing stuff down. A girl who looks like maybe she's a little like maybe he's cool, but she's trying to be unimpressed. And then a kid in parachute pants being like, (laughs) "This is the greatest fucking moment of my life." Check out my friend here. He's doing the Funky Pickle. On the cover it says. Pickle dudes. I don't know what that means, but okay. It's
0: very 90s, And we're reading from that. Those are very pleated
2: pants that kid has on. Yeah,
1: this is a 1992, to be specific.
2: I don't know if this is actually safe for children. Do the funky pickle. I, I mean, <laughs> you know. Good thing may... this ain't no kid show. Maybe
1: it's educational. You gotta well, learn Wasn't
2: it how... a kid's book? Isn't it a Newberry Award? A kid's... <laughs> yes,
3: it is.
0: <laughs> it is. Newberry and Caldecott, those are the uh, the kids' awards. I
3: think the Don't Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus won a Newberry
0: Probably one but that both. one's
3: good. That one's good. We should read from that next time. Or, or Don't Let the Pigeon Eat a Hot Dog. That's my other favorite book. <laughs> Any pigeon-based book is good.
0: <laughs> Brandon, did you not ever watch Reading Rainbow?
3: Because Then, I, then I, yes. you should
0: know what the Newbery and Caldecott Awards were. Because every time they like, talked about think, a book, like 99% nine, of the time it was a Newbery or a Caldecott. Why do you think I own The Hungry
3: Caterpillar? Because of that show. (laughs) Because
1: of his fascination for books that could be double entendres for things relating to penises. Just like Do the Funky Pickle. Let's read from chapter 8, in which the main character, Eddie, boards a school bus.
3: (laughs) Eddie was forced to watch a pair of 8th graders kissing in the seat directly in front of him. Eddie was sitting on an aisle seat, so he couldn't just look out the window. He had little choice but to stare straight ahead. And when he did so, there were these two faces about 12 inches away. Only half of each face was presented to him: one eye, one ear, half a nose, half a mouth. It reminded him of those paintings on Egyptian tombs, where everybody is shown. T- t- tombs. Sorry. <laughs> Are they not spelled the same? Tombs has an e. Oh, okay. <laughs> it reminded him of those paintings on Egyptian tombs, where everybody is shown from the side in profile. To make matters worse, they were nickel people. He was a nickel head, she is a nickel chick, as the girlfriends of nickel heads were called. Eddie would have felt safer if the seat were occupied by a 15-foot alligator. I have no idea what the hell this is about, by the way. The nickel head wore a skull and crossbones earring. The nickel chick wore a nose ring, a little gold thing poked right through the flared flap of her nostril. It made Eddie cringe, and yet he could not take his eye from it. He wondered if there was another ring on the far side of her nose. As with all nickelheads, the boy's haircut featured quarter-size bald circles polka-dotted over a teddy bear cut scalp. He also featured about the fattest, rippest zit. God damn! Right, right. I'm
2: sorry. I just.
3: <laughs> I know that's why I stopped. But, but man, it's like you've never said to a girl, "Man, that's the fattest, rippest zit I've ever seen." <laughs> <clears throat> Let me begin anew. He also fe- He also featured about the fattest, ripest zit Eddie had ever seen. It squatted an inch from the side of the kid's mouth, like a miniature yellow-headed volcano about to erupt. The girl's hair was bluish-green. To Eddie, it looked as if she had dunked her head in Easter egg coloring. The style was two inches tall, flat top, flat enough to lay a tablecloth on, except for the back center. There, a stiff, gloppy... I'm hoping that's gloppy. There, a stiff, gloppy spike pointed straight at the ceiling like an aqua javelin. Her lipstick was the same color as her hair. They smooched and snuffled and nuzzled and whispered things that Eddie, close as he was, could not make out. Suddenly, in the middle of a nuzzle, the nickelhead's one visible eye shifted all the way to the left till it was staring straight at Eddie. The nickelhead pulled back, turned full face, and snarled. What are you looking at? Nothing, said Eddie. His eyes reached out and clutched the back of the boy's head two rows up and across the aisle. You looking at us? Eddie shook his head briskly. No. The nickel chick giggled.
0: He was.
3: The nickel head looked at her, looked at Eddie. He grinned, he nodded. Yeah, <laughs> you was looking right. Eddie slammed his head from side to side. It's not me. The grin vanished.
1: Yeah, you was looking okay.
3: Terror. An ice pick of terror pierced Eddie's heart. No! The nickelhead flinched backward. He frowned. No!
2: What do you mean
1: no?
3: You wasn't looking at
1: her?
2: No.
3: Why not? His face came over the seat top, inches from Eddie's. She's too ugly for you to look at! Eddie tried to speak. Nothing came out. He cleared his throat. He swallowed. No. No what?
2: No, she's not ugly.
3: The girl was giggling. <laughs> Look at her, commanded the nickelhead. Huh? Look at her! Eddie's head stayed still while his eyeballs crawled to the far corners of his eyes. They saw her face loom larger and her lips purse and pucker until she looked like some giant painted tropical guppy. The blue green lips blew him a kiss. Magic? Ugly? came the nickelhead's voice. No. What is she then?
2: She's not Abby? Tell her. Huh?
3: Tell her. Look at her. Eddie felt his head sandwiched by a pair of hands and swiveled till he was facing the tropical fish.
1: And tell Angelpuss what she is.
3: Angel. God damn it. <laughs> this book fucking sucks. <laughs> Angelpuss puckered and blew him another kiss. She batted her long black eyelashes. She reached out and tweaked his cheek.
0: Hiya, cutie.
3: Eddie gulped, gulped again.
0: She's, uh...
3: No. No! Snapped the nickelhead. Tell her! Say, you're... You're... The word came out like the squeak of a rusty mouse. Eddie cleared his throat.
2: <laughs> you're, uh, b- beautiful...
3: Angel puss squealed.
0: Ooh!
3: She tweaked his cheek again.
0: Thank you, cutie. Eddie
3: relaxed a little, thinking it's over. But the girl's smile became suddenly a scowl. She turned to the boy.
0: He's lying. I'm not beautiful.
3: She... <laughs> Sorry, I read she stroked her spike and I started laughing. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm 12. She stroked her spike. She batted her lashes.
0: "'I'm gorgeous!'
3: They laughed. (laughs) (laughs) "'That's enough laughing.' Eddie stopped relaxing. His peripheral vision revealed the other riders sitting nearby, many of them fellow sixth graders, all of them ramrod rigid, staring straight ahead. No one to mess with a nickelhead. No one to save him. "'So, puss, what's the punishment for lying?' The Nickelhead was speaking to the Nickel Chick, but was grinning at Eddie.
0: Gee, Weasel, I don't know. Let's think about it.
3: The two of them put on frowns, thinking. Suddenly, the girl piped. Ah! She grabbed her boyfriend's chin and turned his face towards her. Her eyes lit up.
0: Yes, firing squad.
3: She tugged on the Nickelhead's head till he was leaning well over the back of his seat. She positioned his face a mere six inches in front of Eddie's face. Ready... She fine-tuned the nickelhead's face so that Eddie was staring dead into it.
0: Aim!
3: By the time she yelled,
0: Fire!
3: Eddie was gone, racing down the aisle. He might well have crashed through the front of the bus had it not just then come to a stop and opened its door to the school. Eddie flew by outside past the goggled eyes of Sonny Wyler. He did not stop till he was safely at his desk in homeroom.
0: Guess his friend wears goggles.
3: I feel like every book we've read on this is the same book, just like the next chapter.
0: <laughs> Seriously, like,
3: can we get every reading we've ever done of these <laughs> shitty books and just string? I wouldn't. You wouldn't know there's a different writer or author. You you can't. Is this all it takes to get a fucking Newbery? Well, this book didn't. This, win yeah, a This yeah, this book
0: doesn't have a Newbery. Just the author has won a Newbery.
3: God, well, no wonder he didn't get one for this. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, I could shit better than that. Pickle dudes. I'm sorry. Deans. If you're the author, and you're listening to this, Jerry Spinelli. You already God, know.
0: Look at the pleats <laughs> in those pants.
3: <laughs> hey,
1: but don't take our word for it.
3: You guys want to hear a story of what I did one day in the back of the bus?
0: I've heard this. but yeah, you know have
3: already told it on Nerdy Show. There's, well, there's. Do you want the story where I drew a picture in yogurt, or drew a picture in semen, or got naked and they announced it to the entire district? <laughs>
0: Wait, I haven't heard that one. You know what?
3: Let's move on and not talk about it. We'll save it. (laughs) That's a good story, though. Mm
1: -hmm, You know why it's a good story? Because they did announce it to everybody to the point that Mike, who was in another bus,
3: heard it over the intercom. (laughs) Yep. We have... uh, Were
0: you trying to take a shit on the bus? Why'd you get naked? Someone
3: dared me. And by someone, I mean like I was like, I bet I can do this. And nobody asked me. (laughs) Um, You dared yourself. I said, I can take my underwear off without getting naked. Turns out I couldn't. And, and by the end of it I just had I had like a shitty 90s like plaid jacket just covering my junk and all of a sudden the bus stops I'm like okay we're fine we're just stop. the bus driver gets up and walks back he's like oh shit and he walks back like I'm only like five seats behind him and he walks back and he just he looks over me he looks at me like <laughs> nods looks back up walks back I'm like alright dude's cool he's gonna we're totally good. look he's gonna totally not give a shit he's gonna be like just gonna drive me home goes up picks up the fucking walkie that's connected to every goddamn bus. And it's like, uh, come in district, whatever and they're like, yeah, come in. And it's like, I have a student, uh, Brandon Gerson who is naked on my bus. I repeat, I have a student, Brandon Gerson, naked on my bus. And like, and I was like, oh, I fucking hate my life. And I was suspended from the bus, I think, for the rest of the year. But like, I, the next day, Mike was like, dying laughing still because apparently everyone had heard it. Everyone in the school had That's heard it. That's
0: probably what the bus driver's goal was. <laughs> I am a legend.
3: For a day, I was king. Mm. 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 That was the one thing I got caught for on the bus. There's a ton of other stuff I didn't get caught for that are way worse okay. than that. And those are the things we read a year ago.
1: In prior episodes of Book Club, I'd said that releases were moving exclusively over to the Nerdy Show Book Club standalone feed, but for the time being, we still can't guarantee regular releases, so we're not doing that just yet. As it presently stands, we can either put out an episode of Nerdy Show in a given week, or we can invest the production time into the somewhat more complicated Nerdy Show Book Club episodes. Since this episode was recorded, there's been a lot of water under the bridge. We got up to $1,000 on Patreon briefly, where, at the time, that milestone would afford for us to be able to pay editors to help make sure that this series, along with some others, could be a regular thing. However, Patreon funding ebbs and flows. That's why we say that even a dollar a month makes a huge difference, because a few dollars here and there are very, very reliable. We didn't last long at 1000 and as of this recording, we're idling around 800 A very respectable number. But we don't have the resources to make sure that we can get another podcast series out right now in a timely manner. We don't want Book Club to die, and we know it's a pain in the butt to listen to a podcast, never mind participate in an activity with one, when you don't know when it's coming back. We haven't stopped reading, though, and we don't want to stop hanging out and talking about it, or reading along with you for that matter. So until a time where we can do regular releases, we're going to shoot for intermittent Book Club episodes, maybe quarterly. And in this new format, that's two episodes per quarter, episodes like this, and read-alongs like the Handmaid's Tale episode coming in two weeks. If we start to do releases again with any regularity, we'll let you know. And in the meantime, please keep letting us know that you love Book Club and want to see more of it. Or if you don't want to see more of it, you could be like, this is totally useless to me, I don't care, I would have really liked if you'd put out a microsode or something else this week. That is valuable information as well, so do not hesitate to tell us what you're feeling, whatever it is. But if the demand is there for Book Club, we'll have some extra incentive to prioritize this series over, you know, something else. Rating and reviewing us on iTunes is good. Supporting us on Patreon is amazing. It's the best way to make a bid on seeing more Book Club. But hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, the forums, Discord, or on a new platform that didn't exist when this episode was recorded Podchaser. It's a platform for podcast discovery, and it's amazing, easy to use, and we're hoping it'll kick iTunes' butt. Go to podchaser.com. And not only rate and review Book Club, but rate and review individual episodes of Book Club. Let us know which ones are your favorites, and tag them. Podchaser has a user-generated tag system, so if you were to tag this episode with not only things like books or literature, but Shauna McGuire, Platinum End, The Legend of Zelda, or Funky Pickle, users would be able to find us when searching for those things. It's a handy tool, and we hope you'll take advantage of it. Like I said, our Handmaid's Tale episode is coming in two weeks. But since you've probably already finished it, here's the next read-along book. This is a first for us because it is the first time that our read-along book has been fan-suggested. This one comes from the Nerdy Show Lounge, the private Facebook group where all Nerdy Show patrons donating at $10 or more hang out with all the hosts from the network. Michael Rodriguez said, Just wanted to make a suggestion for a possible future book club. Futuristic Violence in Fancy Suits by David Wong who also
3: wrote both John Dies at the End novels. I just want to point out, this is the first time we're reading a novel suggested by a fan and possibly the last. We'll see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) It's a challenge. I'm just kidding. You guys are great. I'm sure it's a great book. I mean, I haven't
1: watched John Dies at the End yet, the film by Don Coscarelli. I didn't know there were books. But I'm excited to check out the film, potentially read the books, and definitely to read this book, Futuristic Violence in Fancy Suits. Michael said, as a side note, I really enjoyed the newest book club from the previous interactions with friends. I really didn't expect people to dislike Armada as much as I did. So uh, <laughs> It's glad that we Woo-hoo! all agree we on We all hate the something.
0: same things.
1: <laughs> I actually really liked it.
0: Shut up. <laughs> get out. I've disowned you.
1: Bye. <laughs> so get reading and write in about your thoughts on the new book. We don't have a set release date yet, but it's kind of a Christmas story. So let's say you have to the new year, and we'll record it soon
3: afterwards. Is it a comedy, please? Yes. Thank you. Yes,
1: we we hope you'll join us for that for our next Nerdy Show Book Club. Christmas edition. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be there with bells
3: on.